0: Welcome to Voices of Experience, radio show and podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Voices of Experience podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. No promotional fees have been paid to anyone appearing on Voices of Experience. Now, on with the show. My favorite Christmas movie of all time is The Bishop's Wife, starring Cary Grant, David Niven, and Loretta Young. And it is a favorite because I love the whole storyline being that we get too busy and consumed with life and the worries of life. And so we are missing out on life because we're not in the present enjoying the people and the things that we should be enjoying. So it's a comedy. It's a fantasy. I love the little camera tricks that um, now would be laughed at, but they're so clever. And uh, of course, I love Cary Grant. So it's a very sweet story about family, love, generosity, and Christmas.
1: Welcome to Voices of Experience on KIXI AM eight eighty, KKNW eleven fifty AM. And if you're listening to this in a podcast, you're listening to it in your own time. My name is Paul Casey, your host. You just heard what we're going to be doing throughout the show. I asked people to call into the Voices of Experience hotline and let us know what their favorite Christmas movie is or was. And uh, that was first up, Lori Wright. And she's from West Seattle, where I live. Bishop's Wife. And you know something? I have never heard of that movie. So... It looks really, sounds really good, actually. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to call that one up. So that's, we're going to be doing this throughout the show. I'm going to get to you. um, Let's start with you, Eric Crema. I have two Erics here. What is your favorite Christmas movie?
2: Well, this is how funny the universe is. So my favorite movie was It's a Wonderful Life, uh, popular movie. Um, But Cary Grant was actually up for that lead, not Jimmy Stewart. I and didn't Jimmy know Stewart, that. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart got the lead, and Cary Grant, of course, went on to make The Bishop's Wife, which I haven't seen as well. And I mean, I just read that article. It was thirty-two things you didn't know about It's a Wonderful Life, and that was one of
1: them. Amazing, Eric. <laughs> how about you, Eric Ryder?
3: Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to stick with the answer that I gave a couple years ago on this show, which is Rare Exports: A Christmas Tale, which was a 2010 Finnish movie. Uh, That's a horror slash fantasy slash comedy, and well worth checking out if you haven't seen it.
1: Yeah, I've never heard of that movie before, even though you said it a couple years ago. I didn't remember, but I will. Some of it's in English, so oh, oh, is that right? (laughs) Okay, it's not all in Finnish.
3: Just to let people know (laughs) if they're worried about that, it's it's really fun.
1: I'll quickly just mention two: Christmas Vacation. That Mm. one is a staple for me every year, and A Wonderful Life. I've got to say those two are my favorite so we're again we're going to be playing some other comments throughout the show about uh people's favorite christmas movies holiday movies whatever you want to call it what's interesting now eric and i we were the first two to be the same but everyone else has a different movie that's what makes i think this more interesting all right we have several features coming up today first up or excuse me yes first up will be an alice or clint henderson and he's the managing editor of the points guy And he's going to be talking about how you can save money during this Christmas season. For example, if you haven't made your airline reservations yet, there's still time and there's still time that you can save money and not, you know, pay the mortgage off on the house, essentially your ticket, your vacation. And um, one of the things he did mention is that 10% of the consumers now are still paying off their Christmas from last year. So, I think Mm. this is a very timely uh, interview to have with uh, Clint Henderson. And then there's another feature, so we'll call this The Travel Show. And uh, her name is Allison Johnson, and she's a senior editor of um, National Geographic. And she's going to be talking about 1,000 destinations of a lifetime. So you may want to hear what she has to say and do a checklist for after the holidays. And Eric, you have, Eric Crema, you have a Captain Jenny here from the Salvation Army later? Yeah, we're going to talk
2: all about their program, Register to Ring, where you can volunteer for as little as two hours to ring the bell. Something we did this week as a sales group here at Hubbard Radio. And it was a lot of fun out there at the Fred Meyer in Bellevue. Interesting. It's an interesting experience. I'll bet. Is that the first time you've done it? Yeah, it is. And uh, it's it's uh, kind of a exercise and humanity watching people come in the door some make eye contact some smile right away some say happy holidays others just look down and move past it's just uh it's just where people were now it was a that day that was just pouring down rain so not everyone was in a good mood but uh, it was nice just to say hello to people and welcome and have a good day you know that kind of thing would you do it again 100% gonna do it next year and we're gonna do it up even bigger we brought out music from one of our sister stations they did some shout outs so it was. It was fun.
1: Excellent. Good to hear. Well, anxious to hear your interview. Uh, actually, it's going to come up as the second one today. So uh, right in the middle of the holiday spirit, Voices of History. There was a local gathering that was huge, and it happened. Well, I'm not going to give the uh, what happened because it may give it away, but uh, it really was quite surprising. And uh, it came to Seattle, and it had some very big unintended consequences. Anybody have it mm-hmm. in their mind? Eric? I don't have it. Oh, Eric? I, I think I do. All right. we'll hold on for that. Let's see. The um, writer and singer of this week's Timeless Classic didn't intend for this song to become a Christmas staple, which it has become. But... It really was written and sang by him, and his major goal was to point out the over-commercialization of the holidays, and it certainly has that, but nonetheless, uh, that was not his intent. So that's the Timeless Classic coming up. Voices of Experience, again, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, we talk to people with experience in public affairs, travel, fitness, education, entertainment, entrepreneurship, the whole shebang. If you have any comments you'd like to make about the show or Add anything that you hear today, you can call the Voices of Experience hotline, 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. So we'll be back with Clint Henderson in just a moment, and he's going to talk about keeping your holiday costs as low as possible. And uh, we'll have one more person weigh in before that about their favorite Christmas
4: um, movie. Hi, my name is Tom Casey, and in terms of my favorite of all time Christmas movie, it would have to be a Christmas story. Being the oldest of a very large American-Irish family, now with children and grandchildren, I seem to have been surrounded by Ralphies since I was about 15, where using whatever techniques are available, there is a shameless lobbying for the perfect present, and usually getting it more by accident than by design. And as I get into my dotage with 74 being the next candle on my birthday cake, and I reflect, I do feel like the father fully expecting that the dogs are going to get it, the turkey long before I get a chance to enjoy the Christmas dinner. Thanks very much for asking for the opinion and have a great holiday.
1: Welcome back to Voices of Experience. And again, that was my cousin, Tom Casey from Massachusetts. He's been on the show several times, but uh, I concur with him. I think that's a great movie as well. And uh, I give that one a lot of thumbs up. If you haven't ever, ever seen it, I doubt you haven't because it's on like 24 hours right. a day. <laughs> yeah. uh, so if you missed it, I, I don't know how that's possible.
3: I think I saw that movie in chunks over like a five-year period before I actually sat down and watched the whole thing. Just because it was on like marathons on cable, right? Uh, for years and years and years, TBS, I think.
1: You know, I did that with Wonderful Life. I just watched it in little chunks over the years until maybe as early as like ten years ago, I watched the whole thing for the first time, Start and to I went, "Oh my gosh, this, this is, is a great. great movie!" Because yeah. when you watch it in chunks, you don't really grab it, and because I, I think I was doing it that way, and I said, "That's eh, pretty good," but then you sit down and watch the whole thing, and then you really get it for sure. So uh, let's get into uh, the interview with uh, Clint Henderson. I had this just a few weeks ago. He's managing editor of The Points Guy, who was here to help you save money, as I said, on travel expenses during this holiday season and beyond. One thing he addresses, which we do talk about, is Congress right now is threatening credit card rewards programs that exist today. And if passed, it wouldn't be favorable to consumers. So he will address that. And as I mentioned earlier, that 50 percent of Americans will travel for the holidays. Seventy five percent of those travelers will use a credit card to make travel payments. And I think I did mention actually this: nearly 10 percent of the consumers are now paying off their travel expenses from last Christmas. This is my conversation with Clint Henderson. Clint, you're the uh, managing editor of The Points Guy. Let's start there. What is The Points Guy?
4: So we basically cover everything travel related, whether it's flight reviews, hotel reviews, destination coverage, uh, or everything going to credit cards, like which credit card you should open, which ones have the biggest sign-up bonuses, all that kind of stuff. So really anything that touches travel, we're your experts on.
1: So you have some travel tips for consumers that are traveling during the holiday season and how they can save money. Can you give us a couple examples?
4: First of all, I would say, get to the airport early. We're expecting record-breaking crowds this year. I mean, exceeding anything we saw in the pandemic and exceeding anything we saw pre-pandemic. So give yourself a little extra time during the holidays. But also, if you haven't booked your Christmas flights yet, see if you can use your points and miles. If you've got a stash of points and miles, it's a great time when cash prices are high to use those points and miles because you're going to get the maximum value. Also, as you're doing your Christmas shopping, Check to see if your credit card company has a shopping portal. A lot of times they'll give you bonus miles or even bonus cash back if you shop through the portal. Also, credit cards oftentimes have offers. There's whole offers pages on many of these credit card companies. So they'll give you straight cash back on your statement if you enroll and shop on some of these portal bonuses. For example, American Express right now has deals for Walmart and Amazon where you can get either bonus miles or cash back. There's all kinds of lucrative bonuses out there through these credit card portals, so keep a close eye on that as you as you go through the holidays.
1: Anything else people should be aware of? I think it was great advice about the airports, too, and and also, yes, using your credit card points now because the, it's so expensive to travel out of pocket now with the plane, so that, that's a really good idea.
4: When it comes to credit cards, make sure you're using a credit card for all your transactions. If you, if you don't, you're leaving money on the table. But some of my other travel tips are, Make sure you're aware of what's going on with the airport where you're flying out of and into. Uh, Know if there's delays happening. You can just type in your airline and flight number into Google. It'll come up with whether your flight's on time or not. But also have the airline app installed on your phone in case things go sideways. You can not only track your flight on the airline app, but you can potentially rebook yourself. So always good to have that on your phone. And obviously, if things go wrong, you want to run to the customer service desk. Also get on the phone with the airline and get on the app and get on social media and, and try to direct message the airline because you're going to be competing with everybody else who's trying to get on one of those flights out uh, with very limited seats available.
1: This is like a two-pronged interview, and one thing I wanted to get to with our limited time is that there's a threat to the credit card rewards program. I saw your colleague this morning on a t- video interview Brian Kelly, and he was talking about that. Could you describe what's going on?
4: Yeah. So there's this legislation that has bipartisan support. They're trying to attach it to the defense spending bill. And what it would do is limit the transaction fees that uh, that credit cards can get uh, from retailers. They passed something similar in the Dodd-Frank bill back in 2010. And overnight, all the rewards on debit cards went away. So it really destroyed the value of debit cards for consumers. Now the big box retailers promised that the savings would be passed along to uh, you and me and everybody else. And of course that never happened. Now they're trying to do the same kind of legislation for credit cards rewards. So we've set up a website, protectyourpoints.com. Uh, you can learn more and you can, uh, you can just fill out a, a short form and let your congressperson know uh, that they should keep their hands out of your credit card rewards. We think it's a really bad idea the savings to the big box retailers would pad their bottom line and it would not go to consumers. So it's really important that everyone knows about this legislation.
1: So what other things are going on? I read the interview Brian had with uh, this morning, and Brian, again, your colleague Brian Kelly, and it just seems so complicated yeah. that I had to watch it twice and I still don't quite grasp everything that's trying to be executed here.
4: So essentially the, the legislation is a gift to giant retailers like Walmart and Target. They want the amount they have to pay to a credit card company uh, every time you swipe the card to be limited. And they want it to shift to to various third-party processors. They're going to charge them a little less money. It will will pad their bottom line a bit, but it also takes away the incentive uh, for credit card companies to offer big rewards to consumers. Uh, because their potential profits are severely limited. So it does get a bit in the weeds, but the the basics of it is the big box retailers want it, the credit card companies and the airlines and the hotels don't want it, and consumers are stuck in the middle. And I think consumers would be the big loser if this legislation passed. You know, obviously, I have a vested interest in it. I work for a company that that loves points and miles, and we, we want to encourage uh, big bonuses to go forward. And if this legislation passes, I'm afraid it's going to be like with debit cards when they when those rewards disappeared overnight.
1: Appreciate your time. Anything else before we go?
4: No. I would say our, the website protectyourpoints.com. We have a lot more on it. On, that's the points guy.
1: Thank you very much for your time, Clint.
4: Thank you. Happy holidays.
1: All right. That's, uh, again, Clint Henderson. And I just want to remind one more time that if you want to find out more about what Clint had to talk about, just Google Protect Your Points.
2: Yeah, and Paul, uh, thank you so much for uh, the chance to interview Captain Jenny of the Salvation Army. Matter of fact, while we were talking just now, she sent me a quick text and said she's listening to the show. You know, her and her husband are just dreams to work with. They they have this thing so organized, and they she said that we raised five hundred and eleven dollars by being out there. Uh, for those six hours out there in Bellevue, and that's really cool. She says the largest uh, kettle draw, if you will, so far this year. So if you're interested in maybe challenging your friends, your family, your coworkers to getting out there and ringing the bells, check out register ring.org. And Paul, here's that interview. And as we were saying, Paul, I have Captain Jenny from the Salvation Army here today. How are you doing, Captain Jenny?
5: Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Welcome to the studios. Let's get right into it. How about a little bit of a background for people who don't know the history of the Salvation Army? It's pretty amazing.
5: Absolutely. The Salvation Army is an international movement. We started in 1865 with William and Catherine Booth. They're the founders of the Salvation Army in London, England. Mm. And uh, we've been established um, here on the east side since 1987. And our goal is just to provide for the needs of those here in our service area.
2: That's wonderful. I'm I'm sure a lot of our audience know about the Salvation Army and maybe even donate to them. We're going to give out some information about how people can do that, by the way, at the end here. But I'm curious about the people you serve and the geography, at least as far as your department's concerned.
5: Yep. So our specific area, we service Bellevue, Redmond, Hmm. Kirkland, Bothell, Sammamish, and Woodinville.
2: Okay, so pretty much the east side. Yeah. Um, How about the needs that you're seeing? What are some of the needs from the people that you serve?
5: We have people that come in regularly. The main number one need that we see all the time, um, and it's a big one, is rental assistance. Okay. Also, utility assistance. Those seem to be some of the major ones. Um, But we also do help people with hot meals. We serve dinner five days a week, Monday to Friday. We do a dine-in as well as takeouts. We also definitely see a need through our youth programming. So we do what we call character-building classes. Okay. And um, and it's basically like troops. It's They get a sash. They earn emblems. Uh, we do music classes there. We do group classes as well as private lessons. We have our children's choir. And with those groups, we actually do competition.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I didn't realize you worked with youth that way. What is a great way for people to learn more about the Salvation Army? Maybe go to the website?
5: Yep, uh, going to the website, we have information on all the programs that we offer, both the youth side um, as well as our social services and then any of our church programming as well. All of it can be found there. They're also more than welcome if they have any questions to call us and or email us, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions they have and, and have a conversation for sure.
2: That's great, and I can attest to the fact that you get right back to people when they reach out. I myself heard an interview. It wasn't you, but it was one of your colleagues talking about the register to ring. And I found it fascinating that you were looking for people to be bell ringers.
5: Yes. We do both um, paid and volunteer for the paid bell ringers. We try and get them at designated locations that they kind of ring at every day. Okay, but um, But we do definitely really appreciate the volunteer bell ringers. And for those, they can pick two-hour shifts. They go on to register to ring. Um, and whatever location works for them. The great thing about Register to Ring is it covers our entire division, which is a Washington, northern Idaho, and a little bit of Montana. So if they go onto the website, they can just type in their zip code, and it'll give them all of the locations that we can ring at in their area.
2: You know, it was super easy when I signed up because I was thinking just myself, and then I got to thinking about it on the way into the office. I thought, well, maybe I can challenge some of my coworkers, and we'll take a whole day. Because you can do as little as just two hours, but I like the idea of a family or church group or work group uh, or just a bunch of friends getting together and say, let's be bell ringers on this day. And then, hey, let's go out for dinner afterwards or something like that. Yeah. It's super easy when you go to the website, isn't it?
5: Yes, it really is. Um, Once you type in your zip code, then you also can choose um, if you're an individual or you're a group and just set up the account that way. And then you just pick your location, days, times, click on it, and you're done. It'll send you an email confirmation. It'll also, if you put in your phone number, it'll send you a text message reminder the day before, hour before your shift. You'll get those reminders, and then we'll be there with our kettlebells and aprons and be ready to go.
2: Well, and again, I can attest to the fact it's just been really smooth. You got right back with me via the emails and um, the website there and set it all up. It was really turnkey, so I'd recommend anyone... They want to check this out to go to register to ring dot org, right? Register yes. to ring.org for the Salvation Army. I imagine, Captain Jenny, that it's just really makes you feel good inside the work that you do and the volunteers, too.
5: Absolutely. I was actually driving one of our bell ringers to their locations today, and she was just telling me how much she really enjoys it. She gets out in the community. She's able to do something for other people. And really, she was going through a tough time in her life. um with family members that have passed, and she said it really just brought her joy to be able to smile, greet people, and um, just to share a little bit of Christmas cheer, you know, with other people. And it really lifted her own spirits just doing it. And so it's a wonderful thing. And for me, just being able to help the community in any way that I can in all the different areas that we do, it's a wonderful. It's it gives you the warm fuzzy feelings it's a for, good sure. Feeling yes. for sure. Yes.
2: You know, uh, Salvation Army does a lot for a lot of people. I imagine, though, the need is even greater come the holidays.
5: Yes. And this year, um, especially with our Angel Tree toy drive, we have seen it. Um, We have over well over 300 families registered, and that equates to over a thousand children. Mm. And um, and we do have a waiting list. Um, And so if we're able to supply enough toys for those that are already registered, then we'll be able to go to our waiting list. Um Unfortunately, right now we are down on donors and those that are um, adopting children mm. um, and getting toys for children this year. But we, you know, we know that we have a wonderful community that comes alongside us every year. And although it looks a little glim right now, we know that everybody will come in and and do what needs to be done. And our goal is to be able to service all the families.
2: Wonderful. And I I know that inflation has hit families hard, everybody hard this year. So there's even a greater need there. But if you're thinking to yourself, I just can't afford to donate dollars. Maybe donate some of your time and look at register to ringorg
5: Absolutely. And the funds raised there also go towards helping with the angel tree and and the toys. So the bell ringing really helps us all the way around in all of our programs, every aspect of the Salvation Army, the bell ringing funds, it goes to that. So that is definitely the number one for us.
2: Well, hats off to you and all your team and your staff and all the volunteers I think it's a wonderful program, and I really do recommend that the audience checks out register to ringorg Learn about that. And if it's just a time issue for you, maybe you can donate some dollars. And the Salvation Army, I imagine, will put them to great use.
5: Yep, absolutely.
2: Thank you so much for your time. And join us again for another edition of Spotlight here on
1: Voices of Experience. Great interview, Eric, and um, couldn't be more supportive of those efforts. that have been going on forever. One more time, that's register2ring.org. This is Pete Delani calling to say Christmas
3: Vacation is the best Christmas movie around. How can you not like Cousin Eddie and Clark Griswold and uh, their performances from the lighting of the lights on the house to Cousin Eddie emptying the holding tank in the storm drain? Funny, funny
4: movie. Okay, my favorite all-time Christmas movie is White Christmas, starring Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Ellen. Uh, and Dean Jagger was the general in the movie. I've watched this film, I don't know, hundreds of times. It's an all-time classic, great songs, great story. Never get tired of it, it's timeless. Happy holidays to all, and uh, take care.
5: Bye-bye.
1: All right, that was uh, Pete Delani and uh, Don Morgan, as you heard. Yes, uh, Christmas Vacation, that has it all. There's almost a funny scene in everyone, the big ball of uh, Christmas lights. Here you go, Russ. <laughs> Hear this <laughs> out. It's that one thing my, after the other. My dad
2: pulled that on me every year, every year.
1: And I'm rid- old enough to remember those balls <laughs> of Christmas lights, you know, not the yeah. LEDs and everything. It was no. those big ones. And yes, you're right. Exactly. And you And Get
2: them up and, and one would be out, you know, right. always.
1: <laughs> so anyhow, we have um, a couple more of those coming along the way, favorite Christmas movies. And Hey, if you want to chime in on this and provide us with your favorite Christmas movies, we'll be on next week as well. And you can call the, Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166 and give us your take on your favorite Christmas or holiday movie. So, uh, Voices of History now, coming up next.
0: Welcome to today's Voices of History.
1: The Japanese have accepted fully the surrender terms of the United Nations. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of the Second World War. We are down we copy got to get down, Eagle. So, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Wonderful job again, Benny Mathers, who put that together. I get chills when I hear that because I love history. And what I listened to, and Eric, you put this together, Eric Ryder, and you started out the first passage with the end of World War II, and starting with a bookend today, the beginning of World War II, which happened at 7.55 a.m. tomorrow, December 7th, 1941, when Japanese dive bombers appeared out of the clouds over the island of Oahu. A swarm of 364 warplanes followed, descending on the U.S. naval base at Pearl Harbor. This was the beginning of World War II, and on December eighth, nineteen forty-one, President Roosevelt declared war on the Empire of Japan. Amazing. And a lighter note. Oh, would somebody had something.
2: Oh, I was just saying that's amazing to think. You know that 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 even happened and happened that long ago. It's it's still you know uh, fresh in I think people's minds.
1: Yes, yes, you still. You know, uh, I remember my dad talking about it and what it was like when all of a sudden they came on the radio and said this was happening and the disbelief that mm-hmm. that followed. On a lighter note, on December 7th, 2001, Ocean's Eleven, featuring George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Bernie Mac, Don, uh, Don Chadell, and uh, Andy Garcia and Julia Roberts opens in theaters. This was a remake of the 1960 film by the same name, starring Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, Joy Bishop, and Angie Dickinson. I love that Ocean's Eleven, and I did it's watch the version. Yeah, it really is. That's another one I want to kind of watch again. I haven't watched it in a while. Maybe watch it two or three times, but it's been a pretty long time before. They made like
3: three, four sequels to that too. Yes, Ocean's Twelve, Thirteen, Fourteen, etc.
1: I think I ran out of steam, <laughs> of steam at about the Thirteenth or Fourteenth, <laughs> yeah. but I remember a, a Twelve That's, was really good. Right. I really enjoyed That's, that.
2: At, at the last one, they take on Stallone, you know, Rocky 12 or whatever. Right. <laughs> Rocky, Rocky 12 versus Cheadle.
1: Russell
3: I never Colorado. watched it because I figured not not having seen Oceans 1 through 9 <laughs> uh, or 1 through 10, I would have been very confused with the story, you know. But.
1: Right. You kind of would have lost it. Yeah. It yeah. didn't really match so much. <laughs> on December 8th, 1940, the Chicago Bears, now the, or excuse me, the Chicago Bears defeat the Washington Redskins, now the Commanders in the National League Championship game by a score of 73 to nothing. The largest NFL defeat in history, and that is still remains that way. The loss, again, the Redskins, now the commanders, owner George Marshall told, told reporters that the head football coach and his team were quitters. Hollis, who was the head football coach, used Marshall's words to galvanize the players to go win that big game, 73-0. Now, interesting, I think this year, the Miami Dolphins scored 70 points to a 70-20 win over the Denver Broncos earlier this season. And um, I think this is the remarkable story. At the 28-yard line, um, the coach, Mike McDaniel, of the Miami Dolphins, they could have tied the record, told the team to take a knee and not do that not humiliate the team across the way. And he could have written himself in the history book and didn't do it. I am a big Miami Dolphins fan. If the Seahawks don't go into the playoffs, who knows? But I'm a Miami Dolphins fan for that reason. What a class act. And I think that should be really one of the best stories of the year. Miami is 9-3. I just checked that in the AFC East. So go Miami Dolphins. There you go. Great story. December 8, 1993, the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, is signed into law by President Clinton. Clinton said he hoped the agreement would encourage other nations to work toward a broader world trade pact. NAFTA was an agreement between the United States and Canada and Mexico. I did some research a little bit, seeing what people think about it now. Most people are very favorable. The tempers of the time. I remember the Ross Perot mm-hmm. and uh, was debating uh, against it. Vice President Al Gore was arguing for it. And at the time, everybody's up in arms. What are people saying now? Most people are saying it's a good thing.
3: Yeah, I don't think we heard that giant sucking sound
1: uh, exactly. that Ross Perot <laughs> right. was talking That's right. That, yes. He was saying that. All right. So on a more local level during the week, In 1999, Seattle hosted the World Trade Organization's third conference, which brought 135 trade delegates to the city, but also drew thousands of activists and condemned WTO for favoring corporate interests and social environment concerns. The city said to the downtown business owners, you have nothing to worry about. There's not going to be any problems. We're on it. The police are well prepared. Well, on November 30th, All hell broke loose. The following day, police enforced a no-protest zone around WTO's meeting. The major confrontations occurred as protesters were pushed up to Capitol Hill. The WTO conference ended on December 3rd in failure due to disagreements among all the delegates. Didn't go well. And I haven't really heard anybody since that, we're talking 1999, go, hey, let's host that again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <Yes. laughs> that, that, it worked out so well. I can guarantee this time there'll be no problem. Right, uh, They call it for mayor.
3: the Battle of Seattle. That's um,
1: right. Or, yep, I've seen that movie, and it wasn't great. It was all right. It was all right. It did become it did <laughs> historical, but I was living downtown then and riding my bike around it, and I was at the time where they're discussing were things I could feel starting to get out of hand, and so I rode mm-hmm. my bike home The other thing I remember is living, you know, under a time where you really couldn't leave your home. There was a curfew. You had to be in your house or I was in a condo at 7 o'clock. It was kind of a little unsettling, but uh, very different. So,
2: Yeah, our studios were downtown at the time. Okay. I left 50 a.m. And I distinctly remember being at work and needing to leave early, you know, to get out of there because of the curfew.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that was uh, something that they really took very seriously. And again, never see that happen in the city again, I think. So that's Voices of History again for this day. And uh, hey, I think we have another person coming up and describing their favorite movie.
0: You have been listening to Voices of History. If you have historical events that you would like to share, call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166 hey this is barb and my favorite christmas movie of all time is polar express one reason is i love the music and the second reason is that it has always been one of my favorite books to read to my kids there it is and i love josh groban
1: so there you go uh, polar express have you guys seen polar express i, I have not yeah. No, you say you haven't either.
3: I, I I think maybe this might be the year that I'll check it out.
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah, in a long time, Tom Hanks. Yeah, is it? Yep. He's in it, and Tom Fa- Hanks is my favorite actor of all time. Okay, and he was good in this one. Everything mm-hmm. he does is good. Now there's maybe one or two movies I didn't care for him in, but it's that's far and few between. But um, it was a good movie. I don't say it was in my top five or ten even, but it was interesting and it moved along pretty well. But uh, again anything with tom hanks it it to You're me is very good all, all the time so uh well let's move on with some uh, more information in terms of uh what you can do you know around the holidays and uh had a conversation with a Allison Johnson as i mentioned at the beginning of the show and uh, talking about uh 1000 places to travel in the world and i don't think eric we have enough time for 1000 places mm-hmm. to go through that, I mean, we'd right. be here till midnight. Maybe You're not two listing in the morning. them all in this interview, are you? Oh yeah, yeah. We're starting oh, okay. now. I didn't tell you that. Yeah, it'll, it'll be over. Yeah, about we may two have in to speed morning. it up yeah, a little. Something lot. <laughs> like that. But starts with A's, right? Albania, right? Right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, right. Albania. that's where you'll win your ticket to you know, Eric, <laughs> yeah. you know, Albania. Albania is wonderful this time of year. Right. And then it's followed by minus 50. The, it's not in alphabetical order, but then Ukraine's the next one, <laughs> you know, Ew, great wait. spots to go to right now. But anyhow, let's get to the interview I had with, um, Alison Johnson. And, uh, again, she's the National Geographic and she is going to talk about, again, the book, uh, a thousand destinations of a lifetime. And, um, She has been the executive editor of National Geographic for about 10 years or so. So let's get into my interview with Allison Johnson. I'm going to start out with uh, the criteria for naming a thousand places in the world as the greatest travel destinations like in the ultimate bucket list. How did you come up with these places? Like a thousand places seems like a lot but it's a big world.
0: We were very fortunate. We actually have a decade of National Geographic best of the world content So since 2012. National Geographic magazine and our website have been publishing our best of the world list And um, throughout the year, we always publish best of the world features, best hotels, travel recommendations. So to come up with a thousand destinations of a lifetime, we went back through that decade of best of the world content. We revetted all of the content we've already published. We fact-checked it. We reached out to our global network of writers, explorers, and photographers to make sure that these destinations still lived up to best of the world. And then we curated what was there into these 1,000 destinations of a lifetime. We probably could have done 2,000 destinations of a lifetime, in all honesty, but we were able to get it down to 1,000 destinations.
1: Well, that will be book two coming out shortly, I hope. Now, we don't have the opportunity or time here to go through all 1,000. Could you maybe list maybe a top three, and let me put some criteria with this, which would be the greatest adventure for thrill seekers who want to push the envelope.
0: Yes. Yeah, so one of the greatest ones we have in here um, for world seekers is actually a cloud forest in Ecuador. And so this forest it's in the summit of the Andes. It's above the clouds. There's a lot of great flora and fauna, so there's a lot of wilderness exploring. Um, but you're just north of Quito in Ecuador, and you have a lot of hiking opportunities. Nearby, there are opportunities to go mountain biking, even whitewater rafting. So that is one of the greatest destinations Um that you can go to for sure for adventure seekers. Another really good one, um, Banff in in Canada is another great option. Um, Great national park, lots of wilderness, lots of hiking, skiing and snowshoeing, uh, snowmobiling as well. So that's a great one for adventure seekers. And then of course, we can't forget the adventure capital of the world, New Zealand. This is for those People really looking for adrenaline rushing activities. There's bungee jumping, um, tubing through glowworm caves, skiing, whitewater rafting. New Zealand truly has it all. So I would say those are three top adventure destinations.
1: Well, I've been to one, and that would be Banff. Banff is absolutely the most beautiful setting that I've ever seen. And I'm from the Northwest, Seattle, in the Cascade Mountains and uh, the Olympic Mountains. But it's just, and it's not that far away from us in in many ways. But I got to say that in terms of sheer beauty, and yes, you're correct, the hiking trails—they're really spectacular.
0: It's a four seasons destination. This time of year, fall, with the leaves changing, absolutely stunning. But it's also a great winter destination. So it really is one of those places you can go to all year, and you'll have a different experience every time you go.
1: Now, how about people who have physical issues or physically challenged, and they are somewhat limited in their mobility? Are there places that you could name that maybe are more accessible than others?
0: Yeah, so we have a lot of accessibility in this book. So there's a lot of national parks in the U.S., for instance, that have great opportunities um, for accessible adventures within. So the Great Smoky Mountains, for instance, Great Smoky Mountain National Park, has a drive through the park with accessible stop-offs, where if you're in a wheelchair, for instance, you can take a boardwalk through parts of the Smoky Mountains. Congaree National Park and uh, in the Carolinas also has boardwalk accessible areas, and even the Grand Canyon has accessibility in it. Um, and so we're finding, especially in the national park system and in the US, there's a lot of adaptability being made so that people with various disabilities. Even seeing and vision and hearing impairments can enjoy the national parks through interpretive signs, through boardwalks, through adaptations that the parks are making. Um, And so we feature a number of accessibility options throughout the national parks and throughout the world.
1: It seems to me the U.S. are really ahead in this area of accessibility.
0: Yeah, you know, there are a lot of places abroad, too, that are leading the charge, especially um, with sensory issues. But the U.S. is taking a lot of lead way in this. I mean, I can give the example that always surprises people. Dolly Parton, Dollywood in Tennessee, was the first sensory sensitivity theme park in the United States. And their sensitivity room, Sesame Place, and, uh, in Uh, Pennsylvania also has sensitivity rooms. There are, as I said, the national park system is doing a lot for accessibility. So we really are leading the charge in trying to make places more adaptable, more friendly for all disabilities. Um, Utah has a National Ability Center that makes skiing and mountain biking accessible to people with disabilities. And so there are a lot of opportunities domestically for that.
1: You mentioned a couple cities in the United States that we all have heard of, New York City and Charleston, South Carolina that is in this 1,000 special places in the country and the world. Why those cities?
0: New York, we put in the book as um, one of the best of the world food cities. It is a great place to go for, if you're a foodie because... It has every type of cuisine. New York City is a melting pot, and you can go from dim sum in Chinatown to the Upper East Side where you'll find Michelin star restaurants. And so it's a really diverse foodie palette, and we want people to explore it for their food culture. Charleston similarly has a really great food um, so that's a great place to go for Southern fair, low country cuisine. But it also has a lot of diversity and experiences. You'll find a lot of U.S. history there. You'll even find a lot of nature experiences in the tide marches, and the beaches, and bird watching in Charleston. So that's another great city. We also include Detroit, Michigan in the book because there's art, history, and Motown all in one place. And we even include a walking tour of Detroit in the book because there are a lot of cities in the United States that celebrate great moments in U.S. history and future thinking of of the U.S., and I think these are really best-of-the-world destinations.
1: I concur about Charleston, South Carolina. I went there for the first time in my life last year, and the thing I was struck by, I didn't really know a lot about it, but also they have the limitations on how buildings can build up. For example, it's what, like three stories or or four stories Mm -hmm. max, and that is really gives a really good uh, feel for the whole city in terms of not being, you know, inundated by shadows and and the like.
0: Yeah, you really have that small-town vibe in the city because of that, and really beautiful architecture as well, and beautiful. If you go to the top of some of those four-story buildings, you have some rooftops that you can see the whole skyline right in front of you without anything blocking your view. It's really spectacular.
1: Okay, any other tips that you can give to my audience about uh, this type of traveling?
0: Yeah, you know. So for Best of the World, this is your starter book. So what we like to say is Best of the World is aspirational and inspirational. Open the book. This is your bucket list maker. Um, you're gonna find a world of destinations at your fingertips. Choose what speaks to you. We've divided the book by nature, culture, adventure, and family travel. And then once you've picked your destination, figure out the goal of going there. Is it for food? Is it for the museums? Is it for the art? and plan your trip around that goal because you're never gonna see it all in one trip. And we don't want you going to these best of the world destinations just trying to get from one place to another. We really want you to immerse yourself in these experiences to try new things. And so make a trip that works for you and don't try to fit everything in all all at once. Truly discover the best of the best out there um, and you'll have the time of your life. And you'll want to hit more on your bucket list once you've had one experience.
1: My wife and I just returned from a uh, trip around Spain. We did it with a cruise. It was delightful. And my question would be, do you have any a publication coming up or have you about cruising, the best cruises to take in visiting these countries?
0: Yeah, funny you should mention that we are actually working on a book right now, 100 River Journeys of a Lifetime. Um, we are finding, you know, so many opportunities on river cruises. And so we're working on this book. It will come out in 2025. And we're highlighting the best river journeys that you can take to some of these destinations all around the world.
1: Thank you, Allison, for your time. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: All right, that's Allison Johnson, and she's the National Geographic sharing with us a new book called Best of the World, 1,000 Destinations of a Lifetime. And um, she, again, is a senior editor at National Geographic. So we have 1,000 places that you can get to next year. So we'll just start (laughs) right here if you can uh, get yourself to do that. But if you want to get the book, and get an idea and make your own reservations for whatever you want to do all you need to do is google 1000 destinations of a lifetime
0: hello this is dory borgeson dean of the college of veterinary medicine at washington state university my favorite christmas movie of all time is how the grinch stole christmas what can i say there's a dog that is forlorn funny, game, loyal. There's a heart that grows many sizes in one episode. There's a character named Cindy Lou There's music. There's action. There's a happy ending that highlights the true spirit of Christmas. Thank you.
1: All right. So uh, that's uh, Dr. Dory Burgesson, and she is, again, the dean of the Washington State University Vet Med College. Wonderful the, person.
3: Yeah, How the Grinch stole Christmas. I mean, the animated special is such a classic. I, I haven't seen the yeah. long-form movie. Have you guys?
1: I have not. I so, have, yeah. Okay, and it's really that good. With which, which Jim Carrey, you mean? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. It was good. It was good, but nothing holds candle to the original. Okay, yeah, just... so I
1: don't know either of them. So there's one, the original. Is that the one she was talking about, or was she talking about the other one, or do we know?
3: You know, I'm not sure because, okay. <laughs> you know, we're talking about movies and uh yeah. but the movie was based on the the animated special from the sixties, um okay. which highly recommend.
1: All right. Yeah, I will do that. Well you yeah. see. certainly seem to like it and uh good to hear. All right, so we have one more, don't we, before we go today, before we close this show out. Why don't we get to that one?
4: Hi, this is former Secretary of State Sam Reed. My favorite holiday movie is The Holiday. I'm a fan of romantic comedies, a fan of Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, Jack Black, Eli Wallach, and does a wonderful job in uh, a fun, comedic, often touching way of showing transformations that take place during these holidays. Also, I like the soundtrack with Winter Wonderland by Darlene Love, Last Christmas Wham, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. By James Taylor and the others. It's just a fun movie.
1: And again, that's the former Secretary of State, Sam Reed, a very good friend of mine, and uh, really enjoyed that movie, too. And it has been probably 10 years since I saw it. I'm going to watch it again based on his recommendation, because it, it I remember it was quite good. So thanks for bringing that to our attention, Sam. The Holiday. Yep, The Holiday.
3: Yes. That's probably going to be a hard one to Google, but (laughs) when when I see it on one of the streaming services, I'll check it out, too. Right. Yeah, sounds like fun.
1: So, unfortunately, as it always happens, we run out of time very quickly. And so I guess we have to jump into next week's show, which is coming up. We have uh, one next week and then the one the week after. So we're going to close out this year in a really good way. And we'll continue with this um, holiday Christmas theme as we go along the way. Um, But that, again, is about uh, the time we have for today. Again, if you have any comments that you would like to weigh in on and give us your, let's say, favorite Christmas movie or song, that would be great, too. And the number to call would be 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. And again, Voices of Experience, Public Affairs, Travel, fitness, education, and history. We talk about current events, everything that's going on in entrepreneurship. It airs, as you probably know, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. And it's simulcast with Hubbard's sister station, KKNW, 1150 a.m. And, of course, Voices of Experiences rebroadcast on Kixie on Sundays at 11 a.m. Thank you to Eric Crema, Eric Ryder, and, of course, Benny Mathers for stitching this all together. Quote of the week. I was Christmas shopping and ran into a man on the street. I noticed his watch was just running a little slow. Now, I don't know how he'd do that, but he did it. He noticed this guy's watch was running a little slow. And he said, your watch is running slow. And he said, so does the guy I stole it from, David Letterman.
0: <laughs> this
1: week's Timeless Classic is coming up next, only on Kixie. You'll hear the whole song. KKNW part of the song and then on my podcast you won't hear any of it because of licensing issues. Thank you and have a great rest of the week. Although this week's Timeless Classic is often categorized as a Christmas song, the creator of the lyrics and singer said this was not his intention. He said he wrote the song in protest of the commercialization of Christmas. Seinfeld said when he listened to it, he thought it was about the loss of childhood innocence. When I've listened to the song, I think of both. Released in 1975, the late Greg Lake and Father Christmas.
3: Eyes full of tinsel and fire.
5: They
4: sold me a dream of Christmas. They sold me a silent night, they told me a fairy
5: story, till I believed in the Israelite. And I believed in Father Christmas, and I
4: looked to the sky with excited eyes. Then I woke with a yawn in the first light of dawn,
5: and I saw him and threw his
4: disguise.